What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome everyone to episode 21 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host, Matthew, and I've got another crazy one for you guys today. I also want to add a quick update before the stories. Next week will be a week off for the podcast. I think sticking to the schedule that I've been on is working out pretty well. After every seven episodes, I will be taking a week off, at least until I can do this podcast full time. Then it'll be 52 weeks a year. But with that out of the way, let's get right into the stories. Everyone sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. first story I have for you today is about the possible murder and disappearance of Darla Kustra. Darla walked everywhere she went, and on the morning of March 26, 2010, she started walking the almost four-mile walk to work down State Route 57, where she worked at a plastics recycling center in Lorain, Ohio. Sometime between 4.15 and 5.20 a.m., Darla was either hit by a passing car or even possibly kidnapped. Three days later, a group of teenagers walking to a friend's house discovered a human foot beside an abandoned train track, and after a DNA test, it was confirmed to be Darla's foot. The rest of her body has never been found. The police confirmed that her foot was not severed by a person that it was removed from the force of whatever hit her. But the strangest thing is that her foot was the only thing ever found. No clothing or her lunch bag. Absolutely nothing. Whoever hit her that morning picked up her body and took it with them. It was raining that morning, so that washed away any blood or other evidence that could potentially shed any light on where exactly she was hit. The area where her foot was found was searched extensively with dogs, but nothing else was ever found. The following is a quote from her brother, Gary Kester. It was a very narrow area, and it's possible that a truck didn't see her. It was early in the morning, dark, 
and she may have gotten hit by a truck. Got caught up into the truck and her body may have traveled with the truck for miles. Part of her body could be lying anywhere around Ohio or someplace else even, end quote. In 2010, her ex-husband told the Chronicle-Telegram that he last spoke to Darla two or three weeks before she disappeared, and that he saw her two months before that when he drove her to the grocery store. They got divorced in 1995. He also told the paper that Darla was mentally ill, and that she had no close friends and was estranged from her four daughters and two brothers. She also had a grandson that he didn't believe she had ever met. She was very reclusive, Frank said. Other people that a reporter talked to five years ago also called her a loner who kept to herself. This is another one of those stories that there just isn't any information on. It's considered a cold case that the police hope to one day solve. How can someone hit another person with their car or truck, then grab their body from the road and drive away with it? I just don't understand how someone could do that to someone's family and not let them have any closure. You gotta hope that the people will do the right thing, but some people are just so selfish that they can only think of themselves. I hope one day that whoever is responsible for this is brought to justice. The next story I have comes from YourGhostStories.com, and I will be reading from the author's perspective. The story I'm about to unfold is one that has haunted me for slightly over a decade now, but it's just one of the many stories I have to tell of my and my fiance's paranormal experiences. I live in a small town south of Sandusky, Ohio in one of the flattest topographical areas in Ohio. I've lived here 95% of my life, with just a short span in Colorado when my mother moved my sister and I there. Now that you have some background on me, let me explain that I grew up fascinated with the paranormal, and my mother is one of the most physically terrified people I know. Before I was born, she lived at my grandmother's house in a room that everyone calls the back room, which sat at the end of the main hallway in a two-story house. She was highly into the occult, and I probably inherited maybe 25% of my mother's raw talent. It wasn't until I was 15 that I finally dabbled into something, and it was a major mistake. You see, around the age of 15, I was fascinated by werewolf movies, like the Howling and the American Werewolf movies. I was so into them that I started reading up on any real-life story I could find. This included rituals, societies, etc. One night, while staying at my grandmother's, I happened upon a ritual with a few words that had X's in place of letters. Well, it took almost one billionth of a second to realize what the words were, and at maybe 10 to 10.30 p.m., I decided to just read aloud the ritual. Now, let me state that the ritual called for some fire outside, and then it would turn blue 
and some demonic spirit would come out of the fire to bestow some wolf mark on you. Far-fetched? I know. I thought so too. Which is why I didn't truly fear saying the incantation, and was just messing around. Well, nothing happens, no surprise. A little while later, and I went upstairs to bed, which happened to be that same back room I spoke of earlier. I laid down, put a random movie into the VCR, and I touched my lamp. After the movie was finished, the TV shut itself off from the sleep timer, and I clicked the lamp and started to fall asleep. It was pitch black in the room, and it was freezing, and this was summer break, which in Ohio was around 80 degrees on average. I hadn't fallen asleep yet, and maybe laid there 10 to 15 minutes and my eyes were beginning to adjust to the darkness of the room. In the living room down the hall, I heard my grandparents' clock strike once, so 1 a.m. was the time. But suddenly, I could feel something behind me, looking down at me. I looked towards the door, which was the direction I was facing in the bed, laying on my left side. From behind me, I could hear this very deep and low-sounding breath, maybe five to six feet away from me. I was completely frozen, and all I could do was stare at the door, which to this day, I am thankful was wide open. For some reason, I kept telling myself to just run, and hope to get to the kitchen and grab whatever knife I could, since my instinct was telling me that this could be a person in my room but I had yet to ascertain the information, locking my eyes on just that darn doorway. The breathing turned into a very low-toned growl, and I finally started to slowly turn my half-blanketed, covered face towards the closet behind me, and there it was. It stood full height to the seven-foot ceiling, pitch black with red eyes and what looked like ears coming out of each side of the top of its head. I couldn't make out a face, but the protrusions were noticeably above its head, and the eyes were locked on my position. I've studied martial arts since I was eight, and that just went right out the window, because this thing was massive. I couldn't tell you what my face had to have looked like, but I was frozen in absolute fear. Then it started to point at me, and it looked like it was getting closer, with a nailed finger inching closer towards me. And finally, my body forced itself to move, and the next thing I knew, I was sprinting down the hall, and I ran into the kitchen. I didn't even scream, probably because I didn't think I breathed for at least a minute. The only thing that came around the corner was my grandma was wondering why I was sweating and holding a kitchen knife in the corner. I explained everything and I sat up the rest of the night in the living room on the couch watching cartoons. Don't worry, the story doesn't end there. A few months later, I turned 16 in October and my dad and I finished painting my 1983 blue and gray Chevy Blazer that he bought for me. One of my friend's families owned the bowling alley one town over, so we all hung out there during the summer and fall, especially on the weekend when leagues weren't happening. One night, 
We were in my blazer and driving to their house in an even smaller town than mine. While driving, I was explaining everything that had happened at my grandparents' house, and they gave me the whole, yeah, right, skepticism, which I don't blame them. It was unreal even to me who experienced it. We were driving on State Route 19, which goes through a lot of country, with fields and wooded areas on both sides of the road, and it was once again 1 a.m. We were planning to go toilet papering people in the smaller town, which had only one patrol car, who we also all knew growing up. Out of nowhere, one of my friends in the back seat yelled, Look out! And I thought for sure I was going to hit a deer and ruin my first vehicle. Well, it wasn't a deer that stood 15 to 20 yards from my car, no. It was a massive, almost the size of a bear. But it wasn't a bear. Its fur was orange with brown and gray hinted in it. The head was a canine's, and it was on all fours at first. We were nearly pressed up against my windshield, blankly staring at this thing looking right at us. Five seconds, 10 seconds. I couldn't tell you how long it just stared at us. But then we all nearly ruined my car seats when this thing just stood up on its hind legs, which were jointed like a canine and had some of the most massive shoulders I've ever seen. It stood maybe just a few seconds before bolting into a cornfield to our left. Superman himself couldn't have pressed that gas pedal as hard as I did, and needless to say, we didn't go toilet papering that night. Fast forward eight years. I was a student and new father at a local community college and took a random f film class for some fun and an easy A. I hadn't seen or heard from the thing in years, and trust me, that was fine by me. For our film class, we were required to make a short film, and luckily, I was placed in a group with actual film enthusiasts who made homemade films all the time. These guys were meticulous. And for one of our ghost scenes, we needed one of those showers with the sliding glass doors. Lucky us, my grandparents had one, so we decided to take some photos of the bathroom to see if we could use it as a scene transition. No one is at the house but us, and my grandmother's cat bolts out of the back room down the hallway, and we all look at the doorway, which is also connected to the hall. All of a sudden, we hear large footprints walking down the hall, but there is nothing there. These guys start flipping out and start filming up and down the hall, because we can still hear the footsteps like they're walking through us. Out of nowhere, we hear this god-awful growl when we ran our asses off. When we presented our film, which didn't include the bathroom scene because they refused to come back to my grandparents, they all told the class about the story, and I think that we got more attention from the story than we did for our film. Fast forward another two plus years. Me, my fiance and I have a three-year-old son, and we've dealt with many paranormal experiences wherever we move. Unfortunately, she leaves me, and I move into my grandparents' house in order to save up some money and get in an apartment. My one thing I wanted 
was a room that wasn't the back room. And so we made a bedroom downstairs where their computer room used to sit. First night, I go to sleep. I hear footsteps coming down the stairs, and the room was so cold my breath was slightly visible. There was nothing in the room, but a voice kept whispering, You're back. You're back. For maybe a minute. And then it was gone. A few nights later, You're back. You're back. It happened three other times, all random nights, over the course of a few months. Finally, my mom found me an apartment, which I would rent with a family friend who was pregnant and needed a roommate. Fine by me, until the second to last night I would be at my grandparents' house. I woke up and I couldn't see, like a black sheet was covering my eyes, and I was choking. My arms were being held down to my bed, and the only part of my body I could move was my legs which I flailed like a fish, but kept kicking just air. The growl was right in my ears, and finally I was able to move, and the darkness was gone. I ran upstairs and once again sat in that same living room I was in before a decade in the past. The next day, my arms felt like I had lifted weights, and I found two black marks, one on each forearm about the size of an average index finger, but mirrored. To be honest, they look like frostbite, and it took over nine months for them to finally fade. My dad rubbed holy water on them. My fiance, a Wiccan, tried spells and healing ointments, nothing. Eventually they went away, but they literally would hurt for months if anyone touched them. I'm 26 years old now. My fiance and son moving into the apartment with me after my roommate left to be with her her baby's father. This is the first place I've lived in over a decade with no real paranormal activity. And I'm not going to lie, it's the best feeling in the world. Moral of this story, even if you think something is fake, do not fool around with it especially if you're some naive teenager who thinks that it's cool to play with demons or spirits. Trust me, it's only cool to the spirits who just found another idiot to torment. The author of that is absolutely right. Whether you believe it or not, Just don't mess with that kind of stuff. Absolutely nothing good can come from it. Now the final story that I have for you comes from the same author as the first one. Once again, I'll be reading from their perspective. Recently, I posted my first paranormal experience that affected my life ever since. And it's posted on here titled, Playing With Fire. I'm explaining that to you if you want to know where my paranormal experience started, and that this is a different experience altogether, hopefully unrelated to the previous one. My fiancé and I were parents to a beautiful boy, and we had just moved into a new apartment in Bellevue, Ohio, very close to my hometown. 
This apartment was very nice, with a full basement and an upstairs where our bedrooms and bathroom were located. For months we lived there and didn't feel anything unusual about the house. But there's always a beginning to something and ours was just about to start. One night we were sitting downstairs watching television and our son upstairs began to wail his head off, which wasn't unusual considering he wasn't even a year old at the time and might have been scared of the dark for all we knew. My fiance had me go upstairs to get him and the hallway in the upstairs was chilly, but nothing out of the ordinary. He was pointing at the corner of the room when I walked in and turned on the light, and I didn't see anything and thought he was just afraid of the dark. I carried him downstairs and he calmed down, sitting with my fiance on the couch. That night though, we kept feeling like something was staring at us from the top of the steps. Now I don't mean standing and looking down at us. I mean like crouched down looking at us with a screaming face. We both described a feeling in our heads of what was looking down at us. A month goes by and we would just occasionally get the feeling something was watching us. I would especially feel it as I played World of Warcraft at night with my guildmates who were all real life friends. I'd tell them through Ventrilo that I felt like I was being watched constantly and would turn around thinking someone was standing behind me on the steps. My friends knew that I had a bad run-in with an entity in the past and thought that I was just being paranoid, which is a very plausible thing, but I remember always feeling watched at night. A couple weeks later, I was coming home from work and my fiance calls me frantic on the phone. She was in a panic that someone was trying to get into the kitchen through the basement door and she wedged my son's high chair to stop the door from opening, but it was constantly pounding from the basement side. I floored it to get home and by the time I got there she was hysterical and begged me to check it out. I grabbed an old flashlight and a large kitchen knife and went outside to the metal door that opened downstairs into the basement near our washer and dryer. I didn't see anything downstairs, though I didn't stay long due to the fear of spiders, and checked the steps as well, which didn't show any signs of damage from the pounding. My fiance was having trouble sleeping after that, which I don't blame her. Eventually, everything started to settle down but we'd come home to random stuff moved in the kitchen or off the dining room table. My work sold small tape recorders, and I bought one and we decided that we were going to set it in our dining room while we left for a few hours one day. When we came home, we played it back and could hear random sounds around the house, such as doors or cabinets opening and closing. The only thing that puzzled us was this super quiet whisper that we were just unable to make out. But it sounded like two people talking to each other, to the point where we couldn't make out the words even with headphones on and complete silence in our house. We tried a few more sessions, hoping to get more voices, but would rarely even hear doors opening, so we thought things were dying down finally. 
A few nights later though, my fiance found out that we were wrong. We were downstairs watching The Price is Right one morning, and she explained to me that she saw something hovering over our bed one night. She described it as a little boy hanging, like by a noose, from the ceiling fan, and he was looking down at her. Naturally, I freaked a bit, because that is pretty creepy to think about. She said that he was just staring at her, and that she was afraid to wake me up. This obviously caused me to have trouble sleeping, but we didn't see anything for a while once again. It was apparently my turn, and one night I woke up to a bright light behind me, which is where my fiancé was positioned. I remember turning around and seeing a luminescent female face was hovering over my fiancé, but all I said to it was, Go back to sleep, sweetie, and I rolled over and fell asleep. When I woke back up, I started replaying what I saw, and I couldn't believe that I didn't react differently to the spirit hovering over my wife. My worn-out brain literally just said it was my fiancé when it clearly wasn't. I explained to her that I believed something was hovering over her, and we began to do some investigating around the house. When we walked down the hallway, we noticed hundreds of handprints strewn across the wall, which were childlike, but well out of reach of our one-year-old son. They were slightly under my chin in height, and I'm five foot eight. They were covering every inch around the wall towards our bedroom door. The prints are what I imagine it would be like if someone had oily palms and rested them on a wall for a while. Now we've walked down that hallway hundreds of times, and those hands prints were recent, and some had scratches going down them, like short fingernails scratching plaster or paint, not like a claw of some animal. Unfortunately, my fiance and I had a falling out for a while, in which I helped her move back to her mother's house, and I moved back to my grandparents' house. Our landlords never really gave me any clues about the residence, and I attempted to find out some history on the property, but didn't really turn anything up significant. They recently sold the property, though, and the realtor company my grandmother works for and seemed really upset when buyers would back out of it. In fact, I'm not sure if anyone ever did buy it, but I do know that the landlords moved south to Kentucky due to our local Ford plant closing and the husband worked for Ford. Considering the house was in the middle of the town of Bellevue, Ohio, I was shocked it had such paranormal activity. Usually, when I think of paranormal, I think of a country residence outside of town, like my grandparents' house. It just goes to show that paranormal occurrences can happen anywhere, anytime, and apparently for any reason. Well, that's going to do it for today. I hope everyone enjoyed the stories. And if you did, please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. A five-star rating goes a long way to helping others find this podcast and helping it grow. Don't forget to join on Facebook and follow us on Instagram.
If you do enjoy the podcast, please consider helping to support the show by joining the Ohio Unsolved Patreon. There's three tiers to choose from, all with their own benefits. Working full-time and doing an episode a week leaves me with very little free time to do much else. But the third bonus episode will be up next week. Thank you to my patrons who are still with me, Professor Jacket, Greg, Phil, and Samantha. You guys are awesome for sticking around. Thank you all for listening, and make sure to keep your doors and windows locked, and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved. Thank you.